0: Morning is taken from the second book of Corinthians, chapter 9, verses 6 to 11. Generosity encouraged. Remember this whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abide, abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed, and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way, so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God.
1: Good morning everyone. How are you all today? Good. Have you planned what you're going to do with your new freedoms tomorrow? Yeah, I I issued my first dinner invite yesterday to some old friends of mine uh, and uh, I've already uh, been working on my first uh, curry house visit uh, with some old friends as well and uh, I've spoken to my children about soft play and when we might return. So it's all very exciting. Even football crowds are back and the pubs are open, although we need to keep praying. And obviously the Indian variant is a slight cause for concern. Anyhow, leaving that aside, on to uh, more pressing matters this morning. And there's a lot about heart, about the heart in Christianity, isn't there? Do you agree? Yeah, we hear a fair amount about it, don't we? And actually, I think that language of the heart is actually picked up really early uh, in, uh, even in small children in Christian families, at least uh, if Clara's anything to go by. So just a few years ago when she was uh, four, one day out of the blue, Clara uh, suddenly, uh, overcome it seems, with a, a moment of religious devotion, uh, said to me, Daddy, Jesus Is in my heart. I can see his legs. (laughs) Now, she may not quite have understood the phrase that she was quoting at that point in her life, but I'm guessing we all do. It's about our emotions, not just our heads. It's about love and genuine willingness, not duty or obligation. And that's why the verse that I want to highlight more than any uh, this morning from our passage is this one. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. Our heart matters. And ultimately, it's our heart response that we're seeking to get to today. Yes, it is primarily about financial giving because once or twice a year, It is good to focus specifically on that. And we do have a major financial need that wants addressing. But the principles underlying it can certainly be applied to other forms of giving, like volunteering as well. And I encourage you to engage on that level too. The needs there are just as great too. And even for this week only. If you happen to feel that you might be interested in coming onto the PCC, Will have a word with me the next day or two, and uh, and we can take that forward as long as you're on the electoral roll. There we go. So that's the PCC. Once a year we have that opportunity. Okay, so underpinning all that I want to say today is the promise of a better you. More authentic, less conflicted, with more joy and peace about your contribution to the kingdom and to the church. So let's pray that God would do that work in our hearts now. Father God, thank you that we can think about this important topic today, whether we're here in church or online. Thank you for every person who is with us in those two ways. Lord, would you speak to us? Would you not just give us information, but would you move our hearts that we might hear your voice And know what you're calling us to in response. And that we might have the courage to take that step. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, on with the sermon. And as you'd probably expect, I'm going to deal with uh, the passage. Indeed, the wider context of that passage, which is uh, chapters 8 and 9 of 2 Corinthians. But I'm also, of course, going to talk more generally about giving and specifically about the proposals that we're bringing to you today. And the wider context of the letter, I must admit, emboldened me somewhat as I prepared uh, for this sermon. For chapters 8 and 9 of 2 Corinthians, as you may well be aware, sees Paul unapologetically use the tool of comparison to motivate the Corinthians to give. And we can see uh, one of his goals in chapter 8, verse 13, and it's this, our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. And wouldn't that be a wonderful thing for us as a church, where there's equality, not, not in the sense of everyone having equal resources or giving equally, uh, desirable though unrealistic that would be, but where everyone plays their part. Giving according to their ability even if that ability is very small. Now, lots of people in St. Paul's do give. Of course they do, and we know that, often very generously. And we are so, so grateful to you all. And that's the most important thing I want to say this morning. It's at least 50% of our church family, even if we include irregular attenders. But that still means up to 50% actually don't. And I really want to address that today, especially in the next section, just as Paul addresses those Corinthians who haven't yet given. And the comparison in the letter is, as you, as you probably know, between the Corinthian and the Macedonian church. And the cause is a famine in Israel which the Jerusalem church um, is really struggling with, uh, desperately in need of help. The Corinthians had started enthusiastically with a small amount initially being raised, and the promises of much more to come. But then things had stalled, whereas the Macedonian church, a much poorer set of people, had truly excelled. They are the example to us, and this is what Paul had to say about them. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial their overflowing joy and extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in their service to the Lord's people and they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. Impressed? We certainly should be. And he clarifies the spiritual challenge to the Corinthians in the light of this in verse 8 of chapter 8. I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. Continuing, now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. And what's the message to us? It's a challenge to give to everyone who doesn't already, but with the full understanding that the level is according to your means. Give something, because that really matters, as we'll go on to here, even if your circumstances mean the amount is very small. So that's the challenge But now I want to address some of the barriers. And in the language of my uh, key verse, my focus here is on what I would call the cheerful non-giver. Now, I realise you may not have heard a sermon exactly on that before. Those who like the Corinthians, who may have good intentions to give, but who haven't yet carried it through. So what are the reasons for cheerful non-giving? Well, I may not have thought of them all, but here are the ones that sprung readily to my mind. Number one, I intend to give, but I just haven't got round to it yet. Now, it doesn't sound great, does it? But let's be honest, most of us have been there for a few weeks or months, at least. I certainly have in the past. But we wouldn't, ex- we wouldn't accept that excuse in the workplace, would we, for something expected of us, which we haven't done yet. So why is it good enough for God? Secondly, I intend to give, but I haven't felt called yet. But I hope as we've already established, we're all called to give. We don't need a special calling. And if you do need God's guidance about how much to give, which of course we do sometimes do, why not just set aside half an hour to listen to him to pray and to think? That's more than enough to get yourself giving you can always change it later as your discernment evolves third i intend to give but i'm a new christian yet jesus told his disciples to give up everything and follow him from the moment he called them he does the same to us and i know many non-christians who understand that and have readily taken that step from day one. Fourth, i intend to give it it just isn't needed But sadly, that simply isn't the case. And here at St. Paul's, particularly not demographic changes have had a big impact in the last few years. A few key families have moved to other parts of the country, responding to God's call for great reasons. A few bigger givers have retired. One or two others have changed jobs to those that have less income. And that's fine. None of these are bad things, but they've had major implications. We simply need every committed member of this church to give financially. Otherwise, we can't afford the ministries like children, youth, and families outreach, on which our long-term future depends. Fifth, I intend to give, but my partner isn't a Christian yet. Now, don't get me wrong. I know this is a really tricky issue, but based on my conversations with those in this situation who do give and i've had a few as part of my preparation here is their response which i would echo first your faith in your church is at the heart of who you are as a person so it's entirely reasonable that you would help finance it second giving sacrificially shows your faith really means something to you which is a witness even to your family Third, financial independence for women is a reality now which we can all celebrate after a century of struggle. So let's live in the light of that with women and indeed men free to spend their share of of income as they see fit. That must be right. That must be the right principle. And fourth, think about what else we spend money on. Second cars, second holidays, luxuries, and hobbies surely supporting your church community is just as valid if not more so whether our partner happens to fully be part of that or not and now a final reason for cheerful non-giving i give in other ways now don't get me wrong giving in service or in leadership for example is great and vital and we depend on it and i'll be preaching on it again i'm so sure soon but God said in, uh, Paul said, and God said through Paul, uh, chapter eight, verse seven, but since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. The implication is there. He wants every part of us to be committed, for that's what whole life discipleship is actually all about. Not just the most convenient bits and not leaving the most costly bit out. Now of course there will be people in the church for whom giving time rather than money mostly is the obvious route for them because financial resources are simply not there to give and that's fine. I know quite a few people in that situation but I'd say even to them, balance it with just a small amount of financial giving because of the holistic, fully devoted life it represents. And that's true of those who work for charities too. Our work may be for a very worthy cause, but if we're paid, the same principles surely apply. So that's my response to reasons not to give. Let's now focus on the reasons to give, which are certainly just as compelling. And they include the effects of giving, both on us, And on the ministry itself and let's deal with the latter first and what the expansion of our investment in children and families ministry could achieve for as we've heard that's the centerpiece of our proposal today yes to bring financial solvency as well and tackle our monthly shortfall but also to recruit a new full-time children and families pastor because of all that that could bring now there is of course a protective element to all of this, preserving what we already have. And having tried twice unsuccessfully in the last month or two to recruit based on the original part-time job spec, we know what I already suspected, which is it's very difficult to persuade people to move for a part-time role. It's not what a young college leaver with a children's ministry degree wants to do, and it's not something that someone in an existing children's ministry post Wants to move for either, unless they've got other reasons for desperately wanting to leave. Yet, as we prepare to move back to in person children's ministry, hopefully from June the 27th, a new appointment is vital. Without it, disintegration of the ministry could result. We've already had four volunteers step down from the new teams being assembled from September, so we would love to have some new volunteers, and I thank God for one person who volunteered last week. Yet losing the paid ministry leader as well would be the very last thing our teams or our ministry needs. But it's not just Sundays, and it's not just what we already do that should motivate us to give today. During the week, our ministry to schools is vital and hugely appreciated at Crawley Ridge and Prior Heath. Without an in-situ children and families pastor, those opportunities cannot be easily taken. Assemblies and RE lessons are a crucial part of our mission to our community and the next generation, and we mustn't lose them. But there are also huge new opportunities that are possible midweek too. Many larger churches run midweek children's activities for churched and non church children, just like we do for youth. And we could do that too. Or we could explore creating an after-school club or expanding our mums and toddlers ministry to include a separate mums and babies groups, allowing more families to take part. Or we could do messy church after school as many churches do. Now I've had discussions about all of these things at various points and I could go on, but the message I hope is clear. There's so much that could be done Reaching children and families for the gospel in our community. Some of those things we've never explored, certainly not in recent years. But a full-time ministry leader could explore them all. They wouldn't do them all, obviously. But the ones that God is in could make a huge impact and could see children and in time parents come to faith through us investing in those outside the church as well as those of us who are here so that's the effect on the ministry but the effects on us as individual givers could be equally profound for there's no doubt that there is a joy in giving that has to be experienced to be believed i know what that feels like the macedonia believers certainly felt it as we've already heard And the fact that Paul can talk so confidently about cheerful givers, not talking about himself, but just people in general, reinforces the point. Why can we be cheerful about giving? It's because we're grateful, so grateful, for all that God has given us through Jesus. It's because we long for that internal integrity of knowing every aspect of our life is submitted to Christ. And it's because we know that if we offer something to God that is painful to give, the idol of money in us can be overcome. For there's a lot about idolatry in the Bible, isn't there? But rather than the worship of statues or icons, which is a feature, of course, of the Old Testament, actually, for us, it's about loving anything more than we love God. There's something hugely liberating and joy-giving about knowing an idol has no hold on us. And money and wealth is one of the most pervasive, let's be honest, if not the most so. Giving sacrificially can strip it of its power. And that is a wonderful thing. And then there's the promise of blessing when we give, which is there in the passage again and elsewhere in Scripture, whether financially, spiritually, or in other ways whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and whoever sows generously will also reap generously and God is able to bless 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 you abundantly so that in all things at all times having all that you need you will abound in every good work do you believe that? was that paul just making something up to make us feel good no absolutely not millions of christians down the ages have testified to the truthfulness of those promises of ch- as churches and charities have stepped out in faith it's to believe that god will meet all of our needs as we generously give back to him what after all belongs to him anyway we're stewards not owners Of what is rightfully his. But it's not just us who will be blessed. So too will others whilst God will be glorified. As Paul added again uh, in our passage. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people. But is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. He continues, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. Okay, so the final thing I need to tell you then is what are we asking you for? Well, to increase the hours of our children and families, Pastor, to that of a competitively paid full-time role will require an additional £15,000 per annum. In addition, we know that our regular income falls short of our regular outgoings by approximately £2,000 per month and has done so for almost two years. Now, we had hoped that this would correct itself, but sadly, due to the departures and the demographic changes I mentioned earlier, and of course, the effects of the pandemic for well over a year now, which has had a huge impact, that simply hasn't happened. Of course, as I'm sure you agree, We now need to act. We therefore seek to raise a further £39,000 in 2021-22 to through increases in regular giving and this gift day appeal. But we will cover any shortfall in this target by redirecting money from the current 20% allocated to external mission giving to support our own local outreach mission, like this new post up to a maximum of 10%. Now, let's be clear. This does not at all reflect any lesser commitment to mission because the, mon- the ministry that we're directing money towards, our children and families ministry, is all about mission to our community. As so much of our youth ministry going into the secondary schools is too. Both are clearly central to the mission we at St. Paul's have been called to as a church. And yet at the same time, the mission we support elsewhere, domestically and internationally, is important and precious too. We can be proud of all that we have achieved through our mission giving over many years. And if you give generously to this appeal, the amount that we give through that will not need to reduce so much, if at all. But if it does, be assured that if better financial times return, as we pray they will, we will seek to increase that proportion back up. For of course, the collection that forms the backdrop of two Corinthians was, after all, for Christians abroad in different countries. And it's a vital part of our calling too, just not at the expense of our own mission here. So what can you do? Well, let me give you three simple options as I close. First, will you consider raising your regular giving to better reflect the financial resources you have and the vision that we shared today? Or second, will you start giving financially for the first time? And I would be so thrilled if at the end of this we ended up with quite a good number, a really big number even, of people choosing to give for the first time, even if just for a very small amount. So that they've taken that step to whole life discipleship? Or third, will you, lose, will you use some of the money you may have saved during the pandemic through holidays deferred or restaurants not visited to make a one off gift for our children and families, Pastor Appeal? Now, if you're here in person, you should have been given a response form when you came in, but if, if you weren't, don't worry. And if you're online, don't worry. If you go onto our website and the giving page, which is really easy to find, uh, you'll find that form there. And then tomorrow, to everyone on the church database, uh, we will email uh, a copy of this talk and all of the information you need about how to respond. And if you don't get that email and you're online and you can't find it on the website, we'll just get in touch with us and we'll send that email on to you. We've achieved so much, haven't we, through our generous giving in this church. Just in my time here, we've had the kitchens, the chairs, the sound system, and the planting of the church in deep cut. What a wonderful list that is. So let's now respond to this latest opportunity with equal generosity, knowing that it's investing in the very future of the kingdom in Camberley and of this church. But as we start to pray and reflect on what our response may be, we're going to listen to a song now. A song which takes us back to the question with which I began. Where is your heart at? Are you willing to give every aspect of your life over to Christ? Are you willing to give your heart afresh to Jesus this morning by giving generously in whatever way that you can? Well, let me pray for us all now. Father God, thank you that you understand our situation. You understand our limitations you understand any complexities in our relationships and our circumstances? But thank you that you speak clearly. Thank you that you give vision. Thank you that you call believers to play their part in allowing your mission to flourish and to reach out well beyond those who sign up As Christians, to impact those who do not yet know, but one day who could know the wonderful truth that you love them, that you made them, that you have plans for their lives, and that they can find their home with you in their life and in heaven eternally. Father God, thank you for the privilege of giving. Would you move us now that our hearts might be where you want them to be. That your mission here might be fulfilled. Thank you Jesus. Amen. So we're going to reflect as the band leads us now on our hearts.